our study in the book of Matthew this morning. The book of Matthew, chapter 5. Matthew, chapter 5. And uh, last week we had spoken about, uh, as Jesus is sharing this Sermon on the Mount, he reminds the Jews that are listening to him as their Messiah had come. And Matthew, again, is presenting Jesus as their the king that they had been promised, the king of the Jews, that Messiah. And he had talked about the tenets of their kingdom, those beatitudes saying, if you want to be happy and you want to represent me as your king, then you ought to reflect these things in your life. Okay, And then he went ahead and talked about our witness. You remember last week? And he said, you are witnesses. He said, you are two things. You are salt and you are light. If you remember that, he said, you are salt and you are light. And we talked about that. Uh, well, Joyce brought something in this morning. And it was interesting because she and I were talking on the phone. You know what this is, right? You ever see you can't read it? Maybe you recognize the label. It's called Mrs. Dash. Okay. Um, and uh, it's funny. Uh, we were talking about how sometimes God gives us interesting pictures to think about things and how salt was a preservative and salt made things taste better and salt was something that was desirable and God uses that as a picture. And some of us talked about the fact that we can no longer eat salt. And what a terrible thing that is. And we, had a, we actually had potluck last week and we're talking about how difficult it is to go downstairs and eat a hard-boiled egg without salt. Stuff like that. Well, Joyce and I were talking, and it's ama- amazing that uh, there's a lot of imitations out there that you can fake your tongue out. Okay? It's not really salt. Um, and this thing says everything but the salt on it. And we were just thinking, just as a picture, that how many uh, people who claim the name of Jesus but are faking it. They're not really salt. They're not out there spreading God's message. Remember we talked about salt does no good if it's still in the shaker? It only is good if you're out there spreading it on things. So you know what? This might make things taste good, but it's still not salt. We can go ahead and uh, there are a lot of people out there who uh, may be pretending to be out there sharing the message. And if you were in Sunday school this morning, you heard that very thought that Dan was reminding us as the Apostle Paul commanded Timothy, young Timothy, to watch out because there are those who will come out and um, they'll bring messages from the Word of God, but there's really no salt in it. It's all stuff to make it taste good, but it isn't the truth. So it's an amazing thing we talked about. So Joyce and I were just uh, thinking about that. She called me and she said, I'm going to bring you some. I said, okay, go ahead. So also, by way of reminder, we're going to have slides up here in a second. Um, And while we're doing that, go to the second slide. So we're going to say, Matthew, what about the law? That'll be the title this morning. As I do that, Kimberly, would you do me a favor? Would you please come up here and restart Zoom? I don't know what happened to it, but it's gone. So, so I don't have to take the time and go down there and you can watch me. Either that or we can all hum, hum the Jeopardy theme while we're doing that, right? Do, 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 do. Okay, um, if you would be with me here. Uh, we had talked about the king, and again, Matthew is being very specific in his gospel. We talked about that all four gospels speak from a different perspective, and Matthew's perspective was to represent Jesus to the Jewish people as their promised Messiah, that there have been hundreds of prophecies in the Old Testament that talked about 
the Messiah coming. And Matthew's purpose in writing his gospel is to say he has arrived. The king is here. And we talked about the king's genealogy. We talked about the herald of the king in John the Baptist. We talk about the king's royal reception as the uh, three what? Wise men with the three gifts. I, oh, you got to correct that. It never says there were three wise men. It only says there are three gifts. That the wise men from the east came to give their king the royal reception. And then we talked about the king had issued a call. And again, how many times have I told you? It's been about six weeks that I'm going to keep putting this up here. As a reminder, the king's call hasn't changed. It's the same call. Okay, It's in several sections, and I've requested that each one of us examine this ourselves. Where do we fit in this call? Number one, he gives us a call to salvation. And remember, he talked to Peter and James and Andrew and, and said, listen, we found the one that the, the, has been promised, and he is the one here to bring us salvation. And then later on, Jesus meets them by the seashore and says, hey, guys, if you follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. There was a call. Okay, a call to service. Then, a little later on in the time frame, he finds them fishing again. And Jesus says, listen, come and follow me. And that's when it says, and they left all and followed him. So they received you. They knew who Jesus was. They believed he was Messiah, but they went back to their old life. Then he said, listen, if you follow me, I'll do something special with you. And they said, sure, Lord, we'll start following you. We'll start serving you. And then eventually they got to the point and said, you know what? We can do nothing else but serve. The rest of this old stuff is just life. We're going to sacrifice all of that because we're 100% in with you. Once they got to that point, we'll look at this a little bit later in Matthew. Matthew goes ahead and says, Jesus went and sent them out two by two and said, listen, don't even bring a cloak or a staff or any money. Just go do this. I'm sending you. So we have the salvation, the, sacrifice, the service, the sacrifice. Then he separates them unto leadership. Again, maybe where, that's where you are in your life. You know how many churches that I find have people who, all right, uh, I got to hide when I say this. That there are people who have been sitting in pews for 20 years and they've never done anything by way of leadership for the Lord. Is it safe to come out? Because I know there's churches all over this country where people come and attend for 20 years and have done about that much when it comes to leading for God. The call hasn't changed. Then you get to the point where God is separating you into leadership and say, listen, I want you to do more than just sit there. And thank you. You might be cleaning or vacuuming or shoveling. or Are you doing anything of leadership? Because that's the goal. Remember the picture of the family? We, I, I have three children. I don't want them to be children their whole life. I want them to grow up and be parents and give me grandbabies. Right? And then great grandbabies. We want them to grow up. We want them to be their own family. How many things do we laugh and, and cringe these days when you find out that a four-year-old, a 40-year-old is living in mommy and daddy's basement? And we say, when are they going to grow up? And we kind of look at that and say, well, isn't that kind of pathetic? Well, how pathetic is it if Christians never actually step up and begin to lead in their own lives? Be used of God that way. And then God says, once you take that step, I'm going to help you to shepherd. Then they say, wait a second, wait a second, pastor. <laughs> okay, I don't want to be a pastor. I don't want to be a missionary. It's not what I'm talking about. The Bible says, you know what? If 
Jesus is important to you, then you should be sharing his word with other people. Remember what he said? The, the, the thing we ended the book of John with, that last gospel, Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, of course I love you. And Jesus says, then feed my sheep. He's not talking about cooking them a dinner. He's talking about taking the word of God and sharing it. So, this is a big introduction to this reminder that I put for you guys. Where are you in this call? Where are you? Well, pastor, you know, it's been years. Don't give me it. If you're living in the past, how about considering what God wants for you today? There are so many Christians say, oh yeah, what's God done in your life? Well, 20 years ago, I accepted him as Savior. And since then? Isn't God alive today? Isn't he in a personal relationship with, with you every moment? So don't you think he should be using you right at this day, today? Don't sit back and say, well, you know, back years ago, I used to teach Sunday school. Well, what are you doing now? Back years ago, you know, I used to be on the board at the church. And the call doesn't change. It might just adjust a little bit. Okay? Because I know uh, I used to be a youth director. At my age, I don't want to be a youth director anymore. (laughs) But that doesn't mean God doesn't have you and a plan for you and something he wants you to serve in, some area he wants you to lead in. Maybe it's something as simple as just a neighborhood prayer group at your house. You have people that live around you who would like to just have a time to sit down and share the word of God. I'm not going to spell it out for you. God's already telling you what it could be. Isn't that great about God? I don't have to figure it out. Well, pastor, what should I do? I don't know what God's telling you to do. Anyway, okay, this is all just review. This has nothing to do with the sermon. All right, so that means we're going to go to about 2 o'clock, not just... uh, Okay, let's keep going. We're in Matthew chapter 5. In our world, we have absolute standards, don't we? I I just pretended to look at my watch. And for those of you who have uh, atomic clocks or those things that are attached to the Internet, you'll see that it's about probably... Uh, four minutes after 11 right now. How do we know that? Because we all have a standard, right? We all can tell what time it is because somewhere in this world, Greenwich Mean Time, we have a clock that sets exactly what time it is. So if I, and that, this was something that was crazy in the Philippines. I ne- this was so hard to me. The missionary would say, I'll come and pick you up at 11. So my pastor Eric friend and I would sit there at 11 o'clock with our bags, our briefcases, everything ready to go. It's 11.15, it's 11.30, it's 11.48. He shows up at like 11.51. Like, man, you're late. And he goes, no, it's still 11. In their mind, as long as the clock still says the 11 o'clock hour, you're okay. For me, if it's 11.05, I'm there at 11.05, or at least I try to be. But for them, as long as it's 11, it's sort of this vague hour of, uh, you know, 55, 59 minutes. It's not 12 o'clock yet, it's still 11. Drive you crazy. Because we all want a standard. Yes? How many of you said uh, have, have GPS that you use now? Okay, some of you, some of you are like, What? You know, it's that uh, thing on your phone that tells you where to go. Isn't it amazing to me that it's always a woman's voice? Uh, never mind. Um, why are you?
you drive in there for? No. Uh, but you'll see these, um, <laughs> these tractor-trailer drivers or somebody who'll wind up in the middle of a park. Why? Because the GPS got confused and sent them to the wrong place. Okay, for the longest time, the Tom Tom and Garmin and stuff down here, when you Google the church, when you came to the bottom of Crane Road, they make you turn that way. And you go all the way down to the dead end looking for the church and it wasn't there. Okay, you hope that the standard that you have is on the ball, right? You know, if I'm going to plug in and trust some map that somebody sitting at a computer is programming in, I'm hoping that the standard's right. Okay, we have guidelines, we have specific very truthful, very precise standards in our world. Unless, of course, keep going. Unless, of course, we're talking about moral or spiritual standards. And this is where Jesus begins to change, change his tone in this message. Um... You start talking to people these days about moral standards, and they call you a fanatic. They call you a fascist. Well, you can't possibly say that this is how things are. If you do, then they go, you're way off. How, why is it that in our world, we have absolute standards on just about everything else, unless you start talking about behaviors morally and spiritually? And then that issue is whatever I feel, whatever I think, doesn't really matter. There is no standard. Okay, and we can keep going on. How many of you have diabetic problems? And you know when you take that little sugar meeting, there's a number that's there, right? And if it's too low, you're in trouble. If it's too high, you're in trouble. There's a standard. You know what standard I hate? But I'm glad it's there? Is speed limit. I hate it because I was on my way down the road here the other day and we're in the no passing zone and I'm already doing 43 so I'm already above the speed limit and this clown comes up behind me and decides in a no passing zone to come around and pass three of us at once. And I'm in my mind going, oh. You know, and where's the first thought, right? Where's the cops when you need them? In one of these days, there's going to be a police officer sitting there and I'm going to be honking my horn going, woo! There's a standard. Okay, and you may dance with it a little bit, you know, a 58 and a 55 or something, whatever. But we know what the speed limit is. So when that officer has uh, his gun out and he shoots you and says, you were doing 77, I know I'm due a ticket. If you didn't have a standard of a speed limit, what difference would it make what speed you were going, right? We base our existence on this planet on sets of standards except when it comes to what God has set as spiritual and moral standards for us. We've gotten to the point, and I won't say that now, because we'll see the same stuff was going on in Jesus' day. Just because you and I say, listen, this is what God has said, it doesn't mean we're wrong. Because God has always established a standard. And there are things that we know are correct, and we know are not. And we're going to talk about this a little bit today. So, um... Remember, Matthew's focus is this kingdom of heaven, the physical kingdom that is promised to the Jews. There were two major religious philosophies at the time that Jesus was preaching this sermon. They're going to sound awful familiar. Okay, The first one was the Pharisees and the scribes. And the second was the Sadducees and there were Herodians and Zealots and all kinds of stuff who kind of played around in some of these areas. 
Here's the definition of these two groups, and see if it sort of sounds familiar. Number one, the Pharisees and scribes. They were fundamentalists. They believed all the law and the scriptures, absolutely, to the T. Okay, now I would kind of line myself up a little bit with these guys. If God's word said it, it's important. Okay, that's what these guys believed. However, they were extremely legalistic. They often added religious rules to prove spirituality. Okay, they would say, uh, well, you're not supposed to work on the Sabbath. Well, you know, if you carry a sweater from upstairs to downstairs, that's work. But if you put the sweater on and wear it downstairs, that's not work. Because you put on the clothing. All right? You were only supposed to travel several hundred yards from your home, but if you connected a string from your house to your barn, then now those two are now connected. So now I can go several hundred yards from my barn. And if I connected that string to another outbuilding, well, now I can go a hundred yards past that, you know, several hundred yards. They started adding a bunch of rules and regulations. As long as you could keep those rules and regulations, you were all set. Okay, these guys pretty much came from the common people. They were the pretty moral religious conservatives, but to the point where they became very legalistic. Okay, the other group, the scribes and other, I mean the uh, Sadducees and others, these were very liberal free thinkers of the day. They did not have any faith in the scriptures. They knew what the scripture said, but they just looked at it. What's the line from the uh, um, Pirates of the Caribbean, right? They're not really rules. They're just guidelines, right? They give you a concept of what God wants, but they're not really rules. Um, they were more socially minded, and they generally came from the elitist wealthy class. And their opinion was, as long as you are caring for the person, it doesn't matter what they do. Sound kind of familiar to today? You got those who are legalistic who says, do this, do that, don't do this, don't do that, and that'll make God happy. Or you have, well, as long as you love the person, it doesn't matter what they're doing. There really are no standards on living. As long as we love each other and take care of each other, then it's fine. And those are the very liberal-minded people, and it's the same struggle you and I have today. There is an absolute standard in God's Word, but how do you and I view that? What do we do with the understanding of that standard? Okay, keep going. Jesus upset both groups. Here's an amazing verse. Jesus says, listen, okay, here it comes. I... Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not to come to destroy, but to fulfill. And this is very important because we're going to look at a few verses next time, okay, because I didn't really want to keep us here till 2 o'clock, okay, that Jesus says, hey, you know that law that says this? Well, you may be keeping the exact letter of the law, but in your heart you're breaking it. Because it's not just about saying... Um, I'll, I'll, I'll preface it. I'll steal my own thunder for next week. Jesus says, you know the law says don't kill. And a legalist would say, I've never killed anybody. But Jesus says, if you've hated someone in your heart, then you've already killed them. If you have those feelings that you just want to murder somebody, but you haven't actually taken the action, why do you think that you're not guilty of it? That's where Jesus says, I didn't come to destroy the law that law still stands he's trying to complete it 
Another one, I'm stealing my own thunder, is adultery. Jesus said, listen, if you commit adultery with a woman, a lot of legalists will say, I've never touched another woman. Jesus says, yeah, but if you've lusted after that woman in your heart, you've already committed adultery. See, what Jesus is saying, I'm not come to take the law. I'm just saying, you don't make God happy by just keeping a set of rules. Amen. Remember when we were looking at the Beatitudes a couple of weeks ago? This should be a reflection of who we are. Now, here's the phrase, and I'll put it, I put it down later. If you're not memorizing this, I challenge you to. It's not a Bible verse, so don't get excited. Okay? But the phrase, and I tell you, I tell people I have, like, inside my own mind, uh, posters or bumper stickers of phrases that I keep in, you know, in my head. One of them is this, and this is the one I said last week. I'm going to remind you of it this week because it fits perfect. God is more interested in you being who he wants you to be than doing what he wants you to do. I'll say it again. God is more interested, more interested in you being who he wants you to be than doing what he wants you to do. There are hundreds of thousands of Christians around this country, right now, around this world, who are doing a bunch of things and they think that makes God happy. Even if they don't think that's the right thing to do, they're doing it because it's command. Okay? Well, I don't, I don't drink. Well, why? Well, because it's how I please God. I'd really love a beer, but I don't do it. Oh. See the problem? In your heart, you're only following it. And I, t- I was talking to uh, somebody this week. You ever see a kid when you're disciplining them and you tell them, sit down, and that child goes, <laughs> and they're sitting down on the outside, but they are not sitting down on the inside. Well, as much as we laugh at that, you know, we as Christians do the same thing. We think if we just keep a few rules, well, I've cleaned up my language and I don't say any of those words anymore, but they're right here at the cusp. If I let it slip, it's right there. But by golly, I won't dare let that word come. Well, if you're thinking it, God is much more interested in you being who he wants you to be than doing what he wants you to do. And that's foundational to understanding this. Jesus said, I didn't come to destroy the law. There is a standard. Just like GPS, just like the clock, just like the speed. There are standards in this world. Jesus said, I didn't come to destroy the standard. I came for you to help you understand it better. That it's not just about forcing your external, the, the things that, on the outside that people see, to make you look like you're a Christian. It's that from the inside out, you begin to understand what serving God is about. We can all dress up in pretty nice suits and show up on church on Sunday and all look Christian-y, but what are we doing the last, other six days of the week? God is much more interested in us being who he wants us to be than just doing what he wants us to do. So Jesus got a problem. You've got the very legalistic, fundamental Bible-believing group that says, by golly, you've got to keep every stitch of this law. And Jesus is saying, wait a second, just because you're meeting all the criteria doesn't mean in your hearts. And you guys remember last week, we, a couple of weeks back, we looked at the Pharisees and it says, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, because you're like a whited sepulcher. You're all pretty on the outside, but you're just full of dead man's bones. He says, just because your outside looks good, if your inside's not, you're in trouble. But at the same time, he says to the liberals who are looking at this and going, oh, we don't have to worry about the law anymore. 
We just were, as long as people are loved and happy. Jesus says, I did not come to destroy the law. The law is still the standard. It will always be God's standard. And don't think that that's what I've done. So now he's got two groups of religious philosophies that he's coming to preach to, and both of them are ticked off at him. Keep going. There are those who will teach us that there's no wrong action. As long as you meant the right thing. That's social involvement is a way to salvation. There is no sin. People are ju- they're good. They're just sick or in the wrong environment. Liberalism. Man, I'll tell you one thing. What, what, something that irks me, and I've got to be careful because it's me that's getting irked. I don't want to you know, overstep my bounds. But things that we know the Bible says are a sin, and we humans choose to do them despite we know it. We have now categorized so many of those things as an ism or an itis. It's a sickness. No, you're choosing to do wrong. Don't just say, oh, it's just a a problem in my mind. I have a sickness. I have a something problem in my brain, and that's why I do this. No, you're choosing to live the way you want to live. And the liberal bunch will say, oh, you can't say that. You don't know where they've come from. I'd love this. Sir, you know how fast you were going? Uh, yeah, I was speeding. Uh, you're doing 100 in the 55. Well, you, you just don't know where I grew up. Well, you don't understand what, uh, what, what my day at work was like. Well, you don't understand. I, I, I want to get home and see the game. How many of those excuses are going to work with an officer? Maybe if he's feeling really gracious. But the fact is, you violated the standard. You can't just look and say, oh, I'm so sorry. Please, I know the Red Sox game is really important. Please continue. Matter of fact, go 120 the rest of the way home, because I must have uh, slowed you down by pulling you over. God has a set of standards. Jesus said, I didn't come to break the standards. I just helped you come to help you understand them better. It's not about just, well, I don't drink and I don't chew and I don't go with girls that do and I don't go to movies and I don't. That's a nice checklist, but you, if you're doing it just to think you're pleasing God, but you're not doing it from the heart because it's the right thing to do, don't be confused. Jesus said, I didn't come to destroy it. I came to fulfill it. I came to help you understand what I want to see in my, my kingdom, my people. All right, keep going. If you are a Bible-believing Christian, I had to qualify this, not just someone who is a saved, not someone who has just met Jesus, but if you actually believe the Bible, and for those of us who have spent any time thinking about this, we know that there are certain people who will say Jesus is my Savior, but they don't believe the Scriptures. Okay, uh, I love the fact that we are called Bethel Bible Church. Because if I want to focus on one thing in this building, it is this. What does it say here? You know, if it says it, it's important. You know what, if it doesn't say it, it isn't that important. There are so many Christian groups out there who have so many standards that are, you don't find them anywhere. Or there are standards here and they don't apply them in their church. So if you are a Bible-believing Christian, 
you don't just have Jesus as your Savior, but you believe that's the Word of God, then you'll find yourself right in the middle of these two groups, just like Jesus did. And that's what I'm hoping we refresh our memories again today. If you are living a life that says, I'm, I'm check that one off. Oh, yeah, didn't drink any alcohol this week. All right. Oh, didn't watch any movies this week. That's good. Ladies, back in the old days, didn't wear any open-toed shoes. Oh, I made sure I wear a skirt everywhere I went. Yep, that one's checked off. If we're looking at those things and thinking we're impressing God, we've got a big problem. But at the same time, if we're going, well, I just want to give affirming love of Christ to you. And you know what? Don't worry about those commandments and God's word about your behaviors and your sins. We're not going to focus on that anymore. We're just going to focus on the fact that I love you. And God loves you too. Do whatever you want because God is love. That is also a bunch of malarkey. If you're a Bible-believing Christian, you find yourself right between these places, right where Jesus was. And this is a crazy thing. I'll see this on the internet all the time or on, you know, videos. Was Jesus a Democrat or a Republican? He was neither. He was the Son of God. Okay, we, we try to put him in a box all the time. Listen, don't do it. Okay, Jesus came to fulfill this book. He didn't come to fulfill the Roman government or any other social activity. He came to complete what God had said. So what are you, Pastor? None of your business. Okay. That's where Jesus would. God teaches he, we should have a balance, and this is what we're talking about. God doesn't believe in extremes. As a matter of fact, in Proverbs, he says a false balance is an abomination to the Lord. There is the Word of God, and then there's the Spirit. There's the word of truth, the spirit of the, the passage, and the letter of the passage. And that's what we're going to talk about. It may say, do not do this, do not commit adultery, but if you're thinking, I've never touched another woman in my life, you're all set, but you spend week after week looking at porn and lusting and flirting, and you better be careful. Because God's not just talking about what you did with your physical body, he's talking about what you did with your head. If you thought it and lusted it in your heart, you are already guilty. Guys, we got to make sure it's not about an extreme. That there is a letter of the law, but there's also a spirit of the law. Jesus came to take the letter and explain it so we understand the depths of it. It's not just about checking off some boxes. All right? Keep going. So many have tried to make the Sermon on the Mount a theme of Christianity. This is a sad thing. And again, I could go down, again. we did this a few weeks back when we were looking at this. There are actually uh, Christian groups that have been in existence for several hundred years who have basically said, this is what we need to live by. Okay, Forget the rest of the Bible, live by this Sermon on the Mount. If I treat other people good and I love them, then we're all set. I'm sorry, there's still standards. Okay? You can't just do that. You can't just look and say, as long as we treat one another the right way, Okay, we'll be right with God. Wrong. And that's where we have a problem today in our culture. And again, I'm not going to stand here and spell a bunch of them out. I don't have to. But there are th thoughts, even in Christian churches, that says, I know the Bible says don't do that, but we don't care anymore because we're just going to love you and treat you nicely. And then we'll all be happy. And we're pleasing God. And God says, oh, really? Why again were you going 100 miles an hour? You violate the standard, the standard is violated, period. Okay, keep going. 
Okay, it is impossible to keep these moral standards just as it's impossible to keep the Ten Commandments. We talked about that. How many, how many of you have never broken a commandment? I'm raising my hand. I've never have. No. Of course we all have. Okay, and again, a whole other sermon we could preach. The Apostle Paul says, listen, the law was not there for us to keep. The law was there to remind us we can't keep the law. The same thing. These Beatitudes are not there. The Sermon on the Mount is not telling us the way we ought to act. These, uh, these, the Sermon on the Mount is telling us this is the way you should act. But you're not going to be able to. And that's why we're going to read a verse in a few minutes about the Pharisees and their righteousness. And hopefully this helps us understand that better. Okay, the only way a person can even come close is to receive Jesus Christ as Savior. Because without faith, it is impossible to please God. If you think you're pleasing God because you don't go to the movies and you don't drink and you don't smoke and you don't do those things, but you don't have faith, you are not pleasing God. Period. The Bible says it. Absolute. The only way is if you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, then you have an opportunity to be able to develop these things in your life. And whether we like it or not, and I would love for the fact that I accept you as my Savior, in Jesus' name, amen. Poof, I'm perfect. Doesn't work that way, does it? It's a lifelong growing process. And God says, you are an angry man, but he's worked for years to help you conquer your anger. But now you realize you've got bitterness. Okay, okay, get rid of, okay, God works with you and get that, rid of that bitterness. And then all of a sudden you turn around and you realize you have some other issue that God, man, I'd love to be perfect the moment Jesus got a hold of my heart. But that's why this is important. Jesus said, I didn't come to destroy it. I just came to fulfill it. I came to help you get better. I, you're going to be one of my children, one of my, the, the kingdom. I'm your king. I want you to act like a member of my kingdom. All right, so... We can't do it without the Holy Spirit. So notice, there are the Spirit and the letter of the law. There is the Spirit and the letter. First, Second Corinthians, and I just did this so we didn't have to be flipping a lot this morning. For as much as manifest, uh, your manifest declare to be epistles of Christ ministered by us. So he's saying, you guys are books about Jesus, right? Written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God. Not on tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart. He says, listen, now, he says, you as a believer, as a Christian, as one of Jesus' followers, you re represent him. And you're an epistle, you're a book, you're a letter written to people around you that they read. And this is not like on stone tablets, like a commandment etched. But in your own life, you reflect. He said, there's a letter, there's those stone tablets, thou shalt not. But he says, God has chosen to use us nowadays as a letter written. Not that just I can check off a list, but what do I, am I being the person God expects me to be? Keep going. Uh, verse 6, same chapter. Who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. Again, remember what Paul said? He says, as soon as I read the letter of the law, the Old Testament, I realized I'm a mess. He says, I died the moment I saw that because I realized inside I never could keep God's standards. But Jesus comes to say, it's not about checking off the boxes. It's about living your life according to these thoughts, these philosophies that I'm putting out for you. Just because you don't commit adultery, be careful. 
There's more to it than just that. It's not the letter of the law, it's the spirit of the law. What does it teach us? How should we be, not just what should we do? Keep going. Romans chapter 10, we know this, right? Four. They, being ignorant of God's righteousness, go about and establish their own righteousness. Have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. He's talking about the Pharisees. They went ahead, not looking at what Jesus is trying to teach them. They're just looking at the Old Testament law. Yep, met that. Yep, took care of that one. Jesus says, listen, I'm the end of that. Not that I'm destroying it, but the end is the completion. I'm here to teach you that there was more to it than thou shalt not eat a lobster. What is the truth behind that? What is he trying to get us to accomplish in our lives? Keep going. Okay, Romans 3, 21 through 23. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifest, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all that believe. For there is no difference. It's not by the Old Testament law that we get righteousness with God. It's by faith in Jesus Christ. You can't just keep a bunch of rules and regulations. It's based upon our salvation. And then the verse that we all know really well, right? For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Well, as long as I keep these... No, all of us have fallen short. And there's only one cure. And that's faith in Christ. Keep going. God has an absolute standard. So back to our passage for today. In Matthew chapter 18, so he said, I didn't come to destroy the law. Next verse says, For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, not one jot or tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till it be fulfilled. Now, does that tell you that the law is important to Jesus? He says, listen, until heaven and earth pass away, until everything is over with, nothing about God's word will pass away. All of it will be fulfilled. But the problem is, we were looking at it too specific. I'll be there at 11.05, Pastor. 11.48. You said 11.05. God says, listen, and there's tons of things, guys, that still haven't been fulfilled that the Word of God has spoken. We're still waiting for certain things to happen. And Jesus said, none of that. You know what a jot and a tittle is? Let's go I think i wrote this up there i'm not sure next verse next slide i mean okay god will preserve his word i want to know, i want to go any further than that okay uh it will in no wise pass look at psalms the words of the lord are pure words as silver tried in a furnace of earth purified seven times thou shalt keep them O lord thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever so again, people that say this Bible is old-fashioned and needs to get changed and things need to be a little different, that's not what Jesus taught. He said, not one jot, not one tittle will change. It will stay from generation forever. Guys, when you and I go to heaven someday, there's going to be two man-made things here on, in heaven. And you can look at it that way. A copy of the scriptures and the scars on jesus's body okay 
There's a bunch of men and, and uh, ladies that God used investing in the Scripture to complete it. And there's going to be a copy of this very Bible that you and I have. Now, what language is it going to be in? I'm not going to talk about that. Okay? It's too many squabbling. As a matter of fact, I put a little comment about that. The King James Bible is not the ultimate, but is the Word of God that has been preserved through the ages. We preach out of the King James. Okay? Why? Because for the last 400 some odd years, God had promised there would always be a copy of the Scripture available to mankind. Well, from about 1611 all the way up till the last probably 120 years, there was one copy of the Scripture that was dependable. And that was the King James Version of the Bible. Now, there's a lot of other versions that have come out in the last 100 years, but God made sure we had one that for 400 years was the standard. So, I think it's still a pretty good standard. You can go to some others if you want to, and I'm not going to squabble much about that, but God promised that he would keep his word forever. For 400 years, England, America used the Bible that we use to reach this world for Christ. Only till recently did other ones come out. That just tells me that God gave us a copy that he preserved for 400 years, and you and I can use that same Bible. That's why I still use it, okay? Um, a jot and a tittle. Just for your info, jot and tittle are the smallest marks in the Hebrew language. They are like the dot over an I or a comma or a period. So God says, you know how careful I am about preserving this word? Every little mark. And if you've ever looked at the Hebrew language, okay, written in Hebrew, there's a lot of comma-shaped things that are, con- that are in those letters. He said every little mark on the paper, just the tiniest thing, not one of those will pass away until everything has been fulfilled. You think God has an ultimate standard? Yes, he does. Okay, keep that in mind. Keep going. Okay, Matthew. Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments. This is the next verse in the group. All right? I think I did 18 and 17. That's funny. Okay. And shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them the same shall be called the great in the kingdom of heaven now i'm going to pick on some of you or at least tell you you missed out a little bit because if you were in sunday school this verse was going to make a little bit more sense okay sunday school reminded us that there are going to be false teachers that come into this world and teach what contrary to what the bible says Okay, and he warns, he tells Tim, Paul tells Timothy, listen, in the church, be careful, because they were going to come that teach a doctrine that is not the doctrine of Christ. Okay, but if you read this verse, if any man shall break one of these commandments and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. Oh, so you mean false teachers that teach the wrong thing are still going to be in that kingdom? But only the ones who are teaching the right thing are going to be the great ones? Who is this written to? Somebody just whispered it. The Hebrews, the Jews. This is written by their physical king on this physical earth about a physical kingdom that is going to be here with Jesus himself sitting on the throne of David. Okay, We are not talking about an eternity in heaven. Because you know what? Those who teach against the gospel of christ are not going to be in heaven we just talked about that okay if you have jesus christ as your savior you have life if you do not you do not have life that's what the bible says 
So without understanding that Jesus was speaking this and Matthew was emphasizing this to a bunch of Jewish people looking for a Jewish Messiah in a Jewish kingdom, that's how this makes sense. If not, this verse violates some of the rest of the scripture. Because this is not a verse written to the church. This is a verse written to a bunch of Hebrew people. Listen, if you're not going to do what it says in the law, but you're still going to teach the law, okay, you'll be in the kingdom. But you know who would be the best ones in the kingdom? The ones who teach the law and do the law. This isn't about salvation. This is about handling all those little check marks in the law. Well, if you're going to teach don't commit adultery and you're committing adultery, well, you're not going to be that important in God's kingdom, the physical earthly kingdom. But if you're going to not commit adultery and teach don't commit adultery, well, then you're going to be great in the kingdom. You see the the goal here? How many, (laughs) oh boy, how many of us Christians have bumped into somebody and we're trying to tell them about Jesus and trying to tell them about church and inviting them to be a part and they say, oh, I've met a bunch of, I've met Christians before. They're all a bunch of hypocrites because they say one thing and do another. That's what this verse is addressing. Now, this is not about salvation. This is about that kingdom. Jesus said, listen, you're going to live on this earth as my children, the Jews, and I'm your Messiah. Don't go around teaching these things, but then break what you do. Don't be hypocrites. You want to be great in that kingdom here that represents me as Messiah? Do what you're saying. If you're going to speak it, do it. That's what this verse is about. This has nothing to do with who's going to go to heaven. This has to do with who is in God's kingdom on this earth representing him. Don't be a hypocrite. If you say don't swear, then stop swearing. If you say don't drink, then stop drinking. Okay, and I'm not to preach about drinking. You can talk to me later. Just don't get wound up. Okay, keep going. Oh, um, go back to that last sentence. This is a hard passage to understand without the knowledge that this is spoken to a Jewish people about a Jewish kingdom. This is not spoken to a bunch of Christians who are trying to get to heaven. Now go on. The teaching. You want to know the teaching for Christians? A Christian, a Christian can now live in the spirit of the law from the inside out because his character has been transformed. You don't force a check marks on the outside and say, don't I look all Christianly, but inside you don't think that. A Christian now gets changed on the inside, and that's why we act like we do on the outside. There's a famous verse, I don't have it written here, but you guys know Romans 12, 1 and 2, right? I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed unto this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Jesus says, don't be conformed. Don't just mark a couple of checks. I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't do those things. Don't be conformed. Be transformed. That means not just the outside conformity. That means a change within by the renewing of your mind. Look at this verse in Romans here. Wherefore, my brethren, also, you are become dead to the law by the body of Jesus Christ, that you should be married to another. Not another person, but you're not connected to all the do's and don'ts of the law okay even to him who is raised from the dead but we should bring forth the fruit of god next slide four when we were in the flesh the motions of sin which were by the law 
did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. Now to put that in today's terms, when you were in the flesh, when you and I walk in the flesh, the law just tells us we can't keep God's rules. But now we are delivered from the law that being dead, we were held not, uh, we, excuse me, uh, that we should serve the, in the newness of life, not in the oldness of the letter. Guess what? I am a Christian, I am a pastor, and I still sin. Don't you? Now, if it was about the law, I blew it. I'm already in violation. The Bible says if you violate the law, then eternal death is waiting for you. But the great thing is, as a believer in Jesus Christ, even though I still sin, I can be transformed. I can walk in a newness of life, not by the letter of the law. So I can look back at the Old Testament and say, oh, Lord, what an awful week. I blew it again. And God says, yes, but I'm transforming you. I made you something new. Your sins are forgiven, and I'm working on you, buddy. And you're going to screw up, and I get it. But you have the ability now for the first time to serve me. And yeah, you're going to mess up. But it's not about keeping a check mark on some external behaviors. It's, am I changing your heart? That's the awesome thing. Jesus said, I came to not to destroy the law. The standard's still there. I'm just giving you a way to make you fit the standard in your everyday life. Not just, can't do that, can't do that. I want to change you from the inside and make you something different. That's the amazing part that Jesus is trying to point out to us. Okay, so it ain't by the, the, uh, the letter of the law, but by the spirit that God has given us. Keep going. Galatians said, but before faith came, we were under the law, shut up unto faith, that we should afterwards be revealed. He says, we were under the law, we were shut up, there was nothing we could do. But, wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, okay, that we might be justified by faith. You know what a schoolmaster was? It was that one who would take the children from the local area, gather all the kids up and deliver them to the, to the local synagogue or the school. Okay? So the parents turned over their kids to this fellow, and his job was to take them to learn. Okay? So you as a parent would say, okay, I've got to go to work, I've got to do my thing, and you're trusting the schoolmaster to protect those children while they're still learning. Well, look what it says in this last verse. But after that faith came, and we were no longer under a schoolmaster. I don't need somebody standing over me slapping my wrist because I couldn't sit still anymore. I couldn't keep the little letter of the law down to the very thing. Once you grow up and become an adult, you realize some of those things are not about sitting still. It's about why you're doing those things. A transformation from the inside out. You getting it so far? I said this the other day. You, you know, I say often in church, you with me? You've heard me say that, right? I'm not trying to say, are you lined up behind me? And what I'm, I'm trying to say, are you hearing what God's telling us? He wants us to be different from the inside out. Don't just clean the outside up and act a certain way. Jesus said, the law is still there, but I want you to understand it from the inside out. Okay, keep going. As a Christian, we have two laws we should consider. Thou shalt not eat scallops. Thou shalt not wear mixed cloth. Thou shalt not eat bacon. Oh, Lord, help us. God... 
Those things were just schoolmasters. They were just guidelines until we understood the transformation that God was trying to do in us. You want to know the two laws that are important? Master, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus said unto them, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. Next slide. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. God has never desired a Christian to look at him as a punisher. God says as Christians, he is our heavenly father. As a matter of fact, he uses the phrase Abba, meaning daddy. We have a relationship with God because he loves us. Now, I I laugh at this. Ruth, I'm going to use you as an example. Ruth found something today in her box written by Jared. And Ruth had spent a lot of time teaching Jared down at Sunday school. So when he was here last Sunday for games, he took the time to go in the back room and got heart stickers and cut out a heart-shaped thing and, and wrote a really nice letter to Ruth. You know what? Yeah, go ahead. You can say awe. That's awe-worthy, right? Awe. Okay. What is nice about that is nobody stood over him and forced him to do it. Nobody said, by golly, you're going to appreciate your teacher and you're going to write her a nice letter. You know why he did it? Because he loves her. Do you see what Jesus is saying here? This is the key. We don't have to keep all these standards because we have to. We keep all these standards because we want to, because we love him. That's the difference. That's the transformation. Jesus is saying, listen, I didn't come to destroy the law saying it's not there. I wanted you to understand you keep the law because you love God and you want to keep the law. Not because you have to because you're forced into it. That's not the kind of God we have. He is a loving Heavenly Father. He wants to do it because we want to. Some of the greatest gifts I've gotten in my life are my children. I look at them and I go, that is the ugliest picture of a horse I've ever seen. Looks so like some sort of demented hamster or something. I don't know. But you know what? My daughter drew that for me because she loved me. Doesn't matter what it looked like. It was an offering of love. I could have said, throw that away and draw me a better horse. No, of course I'm not going to do that. Because she did that, not because she had to, but because she wanted to. And that's what God's saying with this. He's saying, listen, guys, Please, the law is still the law. The standard is still the standard, but you ought to be doing it because you want to please me. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Why do we go out and share the gospel of Christ with people? Why do we minister to them? Do we feed them? We take care of them? We have compassion on them? Because that same love that God offered us when we didn't deserve it, we ought to be turning around and offering it to others who don't deserve it. Not because we have to. <sighs> i got to go tell somebody about Jesus or I'm going to be in trouble with the pastor. No, you ought to go out and tell somebody about Jesus because you love Jesus and you know what a difference he could make in their life. That's why these are the two greatest commandments. And he says, all the law and the prophets. That's the way they referred to the Old Testament. The whole Old Testament is hung on these two thoughts. Love God and love people. How awesome is that? That's what Jesus is trying to say. I come to fulfill the law. 
It's about wanting to do this from the inside, not forced to do it from the outside. It's not what we want to do. Uh, excuse me. It's not what we do, but it's who we are. We are to be known by our love. Keep going. Almost done. Matthew, this is the last verse of the, today's uh, passage, and we'll be done. Jesus says, I say unto you that except your righteousness exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter the kingdom of heaven. Now catch this. These were, remember the scribes and the Pharisees? Okay, that I told you about, they were the fundamentalists. They believed that every word of God was important. They kept every word of God. They were checking off all the boxes and making sure they didn't do anything wrong. As a matter of fact, let's add extra rules just to cover ourselves. Okay, he says, if you can't live a better life than them, you're in trouble. Well, no Jew ever could do that. No person can ever do that. I just told you, I'd love to, but I sin still every day. I wish it wasn't that way, but I'm human. When I achieve perfectness, my wife will tell you. I would say I would tell you, but she'll tell you. She's the judge. She's good at that. She knows I screw up every day. We live in the same house. It's not about being sinless. But Jesus is not talking to Christians about salvation. He's talking about a kingdom of heaven and saying, listen, if you think you're going to achieve some sort of righteousness and do it better than the Pharisees, the Pharisees are checking off every box. Do you think you can do it better than they can? No. But that's not what this is about. Keep going. Oh, wait a second. Wait a second. Go back there. Okay. Because it's not in the keeping of the law that brings salvation. They were keeping the law every little bit. My, their entire life was, man, I'm tithing of the mint in my garden and all the things I'm doing to make sure I'm getting uh, pleasing to God. It's not by, that's not how you get salvation from the Lord. Now please go on. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For he hath made him, Jesus, to be sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. He says, Go ahead, try to exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees. You're not going to be able to do it. But you know what, you, what does happen? When you and I receive Jesus Christ as Savior, He exchanges our sin for His righteousness. He came and died on the cross to take our sin away so that He can replace it with the righteousness of God. What a deal. So yeah, I am still going to sin and God forgives me. But you know what? I don't have to try to live by my righteousness. God has given me his righteousness through Jesus Christ. Do you love this verse? This is a great, I love this verse. It gives me goosebumps. He made Jesus to be sin for us who knew no sin that you and I could be made the righteousness of God in him. Keep going. Philippians 3, 5 through 7. Circumcised, this is Paul himself. Paul is writing reading you his resume. The Apostle Paul wrote the whole New Testament, right? He was a Pharisee. He was hot stuff. He just did everything right. Look what he says. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is by the law blameless. He said, I did everything right when it comes to the law as a Pharisee. But what things were gained to me, 
those I counted loss for Christ. Paul realized it didn't matter how many rules and regulations of the law I kept as a Pharisee. Christ is the only way that I can get the righteousness of God. So this morning, I don't know where you stand. Keep, keep going. Jesus is a fulfiller of the law. Keeping the law is not the way to salvation. Right? Jesus answered and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except you be born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And I'll tell you, I, I, I hope it's not somebody here today, but it might just be. But I know that there are churches right now having services that people are thinking that because they're keeping a bunch of little rules and regulations that they're all set with God, that they're going to spend an eternity in heaven. And they say things like, well, I'm not as bad as they are. Well, Jesus already said it. If you violate one piece, you're guilty. I don't know about you. I've sinned. I'm guilty. But I thank the Lord Jesus Christ that he gave his life to exchange my sin for his righteousness. Maybe this morning, that's you. You're dependent on a bunch of your good works to say, well, I hope these good works outweigh my bad works. And Jesus says, if you got bad works, I'll tell you one thing, the only way that's going to outweigh that is the righteousness of God, not your righteousness. Paul said, I had all the boxes checked. Man, I was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. I was blameless. When it comes to being a Pharisee, I had everything in my favor. And he says, I count that all as loss because I realize without Christ, it's nothing. Keep going. Oh, last, I think this is the last slide. Go ahead, Kim. God is more interested, <laughs> told you I'd be bringing it back up, in you being who he wants you to be than doing what he wants you to do. Be, and that will cause you to want to do. Now, please, before I move off this, does that say that God is not interested in you doing what he wants you to do? No, it says he's more interested. If you are the person God wants you to be, you by nature, because you love God, will do the things he wants you to do. If you're just doing the things he wants you to do because you, by golly, I have to do this, and it's not based upon our love for God, then what good is it? Jesus says, I came to complete the law, not destroy it. The law still stands. There are still standards. Okay? There are absolute truths in God's word. But we should be accomplishing those things in our lives because we want to. Not because we have to. I hope this morning we can spend a moment here with the Lord. And uh, we're going to share the Lord's Supper together. And the key to the Lord's Supper is let a man examine himself. It's like uh, we encourage people to do around a dinner table. And as a matter of fact, we call this the Lord's Table quite often. That you sit down with your family and you say, How was your day? And your wife, wife might start, no, sorry. I'm going to hide behind the pulpit again. But then you get your kids, how was school? Eh. Right? But the, you sit down around the table and you check in on how things are going. That's what God wants in the Lord's Supper. He wants us to examine ourselves. We sit down for a minute with our Heavenly Father and say, Lord, I know I'm still working. I'm still struggling. But I thank you for the opportunity that you can change me from the inside out. How am I doing? I want to be someone who's pleasing to you, not because I have to fill out, not because I have to look like a Christian, but I do it because I love you. 
So as we share the Lord's Supper together here in a moment, let's remember those things. Let's pray before we